2: Hello, and welcome to Animal Voices Radio Show, Western Canada's only radio program dedicated to animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM Co op Radio, CFRO, on unceded and ancestral Tsleil Musqueam, and Squamish territories in so called Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. As always, today is Friday. The first day of 2021. Guys, we made it. (laughs) We have crossed the boundary. It is officially a new year and I will be your host to ring it in, Grace Wampold. Allison will be joining me to talk about our resolutions for the new year and what we want to do in terms of our activism Um, I think a lot of us are ready for a reset. I'm definitely ready to reintroduce some routine into my life and do a bit more (laughs) self-care in the new year. So join me on this little journey, this little hour of time where we're going to revisit a couple topics we've discussed this year. Most pressing is crab park. I'm going to replay part of the interview from September in advance of a petition that's going around and that's coming up later in the episode as well as some audio from one of my favorite clips I discovered this year called Creature Comforts by Ardman Animations. And do a year-end review. I'm hoping to talk about some cheers and jeers of 2020, some interesting news articles that we missed along the way and what we're hopeful for in the new year so i hope everyone has a beautiful day i hope you're enjoying it with your family inside as i am and let's get going all right
1: young workers face many challenges today unaffordable housing underpaid and precarious work and a rapidly changing labor environment new and young workers are also more likely to be injured on the job One of the best protections you have as a worker is solidarity, in other words, a strong union. Throughout history, unions have fought for the right to collective bargaining, better wages, benefits and working conditions, protection from abuse by employers, and ending harassment and discrimination at work. For more information on how to join a union, visit bcfed.ca forward slash join.
2: To kick off today's show, I wanted to play the audio from the original short film, Creature Comforts. It was Nick Park's first Oscar-winning film with the production company, Aardman animations. Aardman is really well known for Wallace and Gromit. They did Chicken Run which we have a previous episode where we did a review on Chicken Run. That's a super fun one. Um, But I recently found Creature Comforts which is basically a series of interviews with the animals in an English zoo. So the audio, you can imagine, is being spoken by different animals, and it's their perspective on what it's like living in confinement, what it's like being given food that they wouldn't necessarily eat in the wild, um, and having smaller spaces than they might in the wild. So it's quite comedic, but it makes a really great point about how the perspectives of these animals are slanted because of the reality that they're forced to live in. Take a listen. It's super funny, and maybe you can find the YouTube clip on a later date to enjoy it in its full animated glory. I also wanted to give a warning that one animal, specifically a Brazilian lion, is talking about eating meat. And so, that that's a carnivorous animal, and I do not discriminate against obligate carnivores, such as lions, eating animals. Just forewarning, that's not a human talking about preferring uh, Brazilian meat. It is a lion.
0: Sound running when you're ready.
3: Oh, well, the zoos are very important to animals. They're a bit like homes, like nursing homes um, for poor animals and um, people like old people. And there's old animals which are dead and people in the wild have don't have much to eat, so they have to kill their own people to have something to eat.
0: Oh, it's very, very good. Very good very comfortable you know, well, well, well looked after and it's in a nice position
4: they try to make you comfortable they try to put you in in in, in a quite uh, nice situation with uh, standard food that look like look look more like a, a dog food than food proper for wild animals all right
3: well um most of the cages are a bit small and and either grotty and everything, but the turpins seem to get a good side. They've got a they've got a big waterfall and big pools to play around, in, and there's lots of them there. They looked really happy. Yeah, well, it's reasonably comfortable, I suppose, the space, but uh, uh, I mean,
1: I've been in more comfortable rooms, yes.
4: If you try to compare the situations and the environment that we live here with the environment or, or that we live in Brazil, there is a big difference. Here, you live in a very small. With all the technological advances possible, you have uh, everything sorted out, double glazing, you know, your your heating and everything. In Brazil, but you don't have space. In Brazil, you have space, although you don't have all this technological, you know, double glaze and things like that, and uh, you know, uh, but you have space and. Uh, we need a space to live. We need space to feel that we are part of the world, and not a kind of a piece of object in a box.
3: My room is is a bit too small, really, and I've got so much stuff in it that
5: if I get anything new, there's just nowhere to put it.
3: Well, sometimes you can't you can't get out and about as much as you would like to. You're stuck in for some reason, like I'm stuck in today. And um, then yes, you get bored and you get fed up with looking at the same four walls. I try to spend as little time in here as possible. If I can't actually get out and about, I must you know, sort of escape into books and things. I feel very secure <laughs> and uh, well looked after, very well looked after, and I, I'm not worried about anything. I know whatever happens, they'll look after me and put, put me where I ought to be. I think they they like it in the wild, if they were in the wild, but I think it's much better to be in, <laughs> in um, bars because, like I've said, they get fed, whereas some animals they go for days without food. Because the animals that are in the circus have to... Um get on boxes and bowls but animals in the zoo, they don't have to do anything. They can do their own things by drinking and eating.
4: I miss a lot of the food. I miss the fresh meat, you know, because in Brazil we are predominantly carnivores. We are not, you know, vegetarian, and uh, we don't like potatoes, we like meat, and we like a fresh meat. My favourite food is, uh, I'm afraid to say, steak. I, uh, um, I, I go a long like way to go and get a nice um,
3: Do you like lions as well then? Do you like steaks and chips with lions with it?
4: Not with lions, Andrew, no. I don't like lion steak. I, I prefer the ordinary steak.
3: I'd like to live somewhere a bit hotter. I don't like getting rained on and I don't like being cold. And I find that here
4: I often get rained on and I'm often cold. Where I would like to live and to spend most of my life? In a hot country. You know, in a hot country that I have a good weather and that I have space, that I have trees, you know? That I don't have only grass with pollens that give me hay fever every day. I need a space with blue skies, without that I can see the sun every day, all right? That I have nice weather, that I can just have nice, water you know to dive to swimming it means a tropical country not in an island a cold one It's easy any part of the world but hot name it and there you go
2: Once again, that was the Oscar-winning short film, Creature Comforts, which was made by Aardman Animations in 1989. Uh, If you look it up, actually, there are many more Creature Comfort episodes after that. They kept going um, into the early 2000s, and there's Creature Comfort interviews in other languages, so you can hear about the experience of different animals living in the zoo, I've been consistently surprised by the Man animation's undertones of animal liberation. I don't know if they realize it or not, but I really do love a lot of their work um, and their personification of non-human animals. I also kind of was baffled by the episode because I felt like I really related to these animals, specifically the gorilla who talks about seeing the same four walls I'm currently in quarantine, I'm not leaving my apartment, and I have some sympathy for the animals in the zoo right now. For this week's news, I wanted to start off by sharing a change.org petition to complete Crab Park. So for the petition to complete Crab Park, the demands laid out by Crab Park Water for Life Society founder Don Larson and the downtown east side elder Veronica are as follows remove the containers and tankers from lot five, expand the freshwater bird marsh that is on the property. Lot five becomes entirely public green space. There is an indigenous longhouse built on this land, and the land is returned to the host nations, the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh nations. There will be no trans-mountain pipeline, no TMX oil barge tankers on Burrard Inlet. And both berths in front of Crab Park must only be used for clean, environmentally friendly shore power. No dirty freighters in front of Crab Park. Essentially, the indigenous community is demanding that they are given sovereignty of this land in order to steward it properly for both human and non-human benefits. Water for Life Society is trying to protect all of us right now not only how we treat our land how we treat one another but what we expect for our city i was talking with leah a bit about the demands and something that is really important is that these four acres are returned to host nations don and veronica are particularly worried about the dangerous materials in these tankers as well and when we think about this park it's honestly a gorgeous green space And you have an amazing view of the seaboard on the northern side of the city. And when we see these tankers, we don't know what risk they're posing to our health, especially knowing that this is currently where oil barge tankers are. There is hazardous material on this shoreline, and it's impacting the wildlife. It's impacting fish species, and there's a chance it's impacting our human community as well. When we leave our house right now, I think COVID's a great example. We put on a mask and we don't see the risk that is all around us, but we know it's there. And I think for a lot of highly polluted cities, pollution has, is a very similar effect on you. You don't see it around you. You don't admit the immediate effect it has on you but it's present. And if we want to be good stewards of our land and and a caring and compassionate community, we need to honestly consider what we do want on our shoreline and be critical. So I'm really hoping that we can have 1500 signatures. And maybe after you listen to this, you can go online to change.org and search up Crab Park to help us on this petition. Since November 4th, they've been trying to get MP Jenny Kwan, the city councillor, Michael Wiebe, and the representative from Vancouver Fraser Port Authority and Vancouver Parks Board to agree to a Zoom meeting with Don Larson, the founder of Crab Park Water for Life Society, Fiona, Elder Veronica, and our ex-producer, Leah. Angeline Anglazos, director of Aboriginal and Community Affairs, has refused to join in on the meeting. On the 1st of December, she stated on the phone call that no representative from the port would attend the meeting. Since MP Jenny Kwan has agreed to only join the meeting if a parks and port representative is present, our meeting will not happen unless there is continued pressure put on the parks. This used to be a wetland, and we see our non-human neighbors coming by daily. We see birds, we see geese growing up in these marshlands, and the intention is to restore this area That is owned by Port Authority to the Indigenous caretakers of our community. So please, uh, on our web post, I'll post the link to the change.org petition, uh, head over, sign it. You don't have to donate any money, but it'd be great if you could share it. We've been talking about Crab Park for months on our show, so it would be really nice in the new year to see this project come into fruition. I'm going to play a quick clip of Don Larson speaking on our episode from September 8th. The episode is a legacy of local activism. Don Larson and Elder Veronica on their 35 years of advocacy for human and non-human animal lives in Vancouver's Crab Park. So here is Don and Veronica on why the marsh should be expanded.
5: Mayor and council unanimously supported a public park on that four-acre parking lot. So we went through a democratic process. We've done that. We want the bird marsh to be bigger. We always wanted a bigger bird marsh. The way the park got designed, it didn't allow for that. That may be to do with the parking lot, yes. Now, after all these years, the park is starting to... Show wear and tear, like the caretaker building is literally falling down and has been condemned. We want the park board to build a new one with their money and they're saying, oh, we don't have any money. That's not true. They do have money. The bird marsh needs to be expanded and needs to be expanded greatly into the existing parking lot where the lot five is called. We've been waiting all fricking summer for the Vancouver park board, never mind the port, take out the invasive plants like hog wheat, which is actually dangerous take out many of the plants. The bird marsh is clogged with plants. So the birds can't even get into it. They can't fly into it. They can't get the water. So it defeats its purpose. It's not a proper bird marsh. It's not functional. And they're saying, oh, we don't have any money for that. It's it's BS. The park board has money. They always hide it. As the people say, follow the money trail. But we've been talking to them all summer long, going down at the bird marsh, looking at the bird marsh. And it's like, these birds are down there. They got no water. And they got no voice to complain about it, so they got me yakking about it. So that's my rant, and it's a true rant. I get, like, emotional pissed off at Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. It goes on forever.
3: Let's
0: go. For crab Park to be completed, it would be nearly like a lifetime goal. A full-life goal. And if you look at the First Nations, for many generations, Having been moved from here to there, to there, to there, to here, many of us have not had homes. To see that a longhouse goes in there and that we could have uh, 28 species of animals grow and grow and grow to that there be many, many more in a marsh and uh, to have waterfront access, what many West Coast communities know as home would sure be the price that we all have paid. Mm -hmm. And I would grow old and be really happy to know that there's some little part we have all played to make a a long house and ceremonial grounds available to the first peoples and that. So something else that you had us do when we were at Crab Park was take a water bottle and walk over to the marsh and put our clean water into the marsh for all of the birds that were there can you tell me just from your own perspective what the marsh is like the condition that it's in and what you would want it to look like i have seen a family of geese that tried to get their little ones to that marsh and it was so overgrown that they walked and couldn't even stretch their duck feet to the bottom of the marsh Um, the water was so low and I know I've been other times where the water was high enough that little goslings and and little ducks uh, learned to swim and paddle in there. Hogweed has taken over some area so I have fears for the children that play around that marsh and there's no clearly defined edge to the marsh because of all of the overgrowth of plants, and I don't know what kind of plants are are in there. What I do know is that they've taken over the marsh and are sucking up the water so fast, so rapidly, that to actually see the water, one really has to have good eyes to focus. Mine are failing me. To see the water, I have to get that close and put my glasses on. To see... The animals I see no cranes, no herons there. And at one time there were cranes, there were herons. There's 28 species of animals that that use that little marsh. I'm sure a bunch of tents would deter them somewhat, but I know a thirsty uh, creature will go to many lengths to get a drink of good water. I have no fear at all if we looked after that little patch. That little patch of earth that that 28 would grow to 56 and from 56 to 128 20, 22 or 28 or 32 or whatever the number is 2 times 58 it wouldn't take much it would not take that much to get that marsh to have enough water in there to have such things that, that Great white horned owl uh, passing through there, which I'm reading from books that I I look at. I see white. I've seen one white owl in my life, and it was sure wasn't in uh, Crab Park or anywhere near Vancouver. But it would be what a day that would be to celebrate to know that a white owl would uh, pass through our little marsh after a mm-hmm. silly dream. That created the Crab Water for Life Society and then uh, Crab Park, and the legacy of so many to uh, be remembered, and that many children and many generations would come, and that the First Nations could uh, celebrate such a success and such an achievement. And to speak about uh, reconciliation, I would say that would be one form one small piece of reconciliation in this neighborhood mm-hmm.
2: okay well thank you very much for speaking with me today both of you i really appreciate this that was don larson and veronica butler talking with leah thompson about the expansion of crab park the introduction of a longhouse, and the expansion of the bird marsh on that land please consider signing their petition to have these things put into action in other news plant based news has released the highly anticipated film vegan 2020 on youtube and it has garnered more than 50,000 views in just the first hour of its release so the film tracks the rise and challenges faced by the vegan and plant based movement over the last year it covers issues like how the covid-19 pandemic affected the meat and dairy industry and encouraged more people to try plant-based foods. It also features some of the key stories around the growth of plant-based meat alternatives, like the major success of the first vegan butcher in the UK. It also considers how the emergence of zoonotic diseases, um, diseases that originate in animals, like the coronavirus, joins the compelling arguments for why we need to be eating a plant-based diet. It also talks about the dangers of animal exploitation um, and how that poses to not only animals but also humans issues that I think have been under the spotlight throughout this entire year. So it's presented by very prominent figures in the vegan community including Earthling Ed, Prince Khaled, and Jane Velez Mitchell, among other people. So you can access this on YouTube and I'll post the link on the web post. I'm really excited to get watching it and we'll report back in a couple weeks on how I felt about it. One news story that I don't believe we covered this year relates to monkeys and picking coconuts. So monkeys have been forced to pick coconuts and perform in circus-style shows for tourists, keeping these animals tethered, chained to old tires or confined to cages, barely larger than their bodies. But this year, abundant life, natural food joins more than 26,000 other stores, including chains like Wegmans, Costco, Walgreens, Food Lion, and Stop and Shop, to ban coconut milk brands that use coconuts picked by monkeys. PETA is now turning its attention to other retailers that still do business with Chow Co that is using monkey labor. This includes Kroger, Walmart, Target, and Safeway. So, photos from the investigation are available on PETA's website, um, but I definitely want to suggest that you do not either shop at Safeway or you don't buy any coconut products from Safeway because that would not be considered vegan. If we think about something like honey, there's work that an animal had to do to help produce that, and if coconuts involve monkey labor, then evidently that item is no longer vegan. Uh, and I want us to consider this for a lot of our, a lot of the ways that we consume, because things that seem vegan or might seem benign to us might have a deeper backstory than we realize. When something's shipped overseas and packaged and processed in this way, we're building a longer chain. We're building a system that requires more hands and cheaper wages in order to get us these products. I had no idea before. This year that monkeys were used to collect coconuts and it's really changed my perspective on a lot of foods that come from areas that I've never been to. So if you want to hear more about this, I would go to PETA.org. While this story makes me really sad, I feel super proud of the animal advocates this year who focused on this topic and were able to get more and more companies to pledge that they won't accept this form of labor. They won't accept coconuts that were harvested on the backs of monkeys. Other similar discussions this year occurred around the pangolin, which is one of the world's most trafficked non-human mammals. Beijing gave pangolins the highest level of protection under the country's wildlife law. Their body parts can no longer be used as raw materials, and more than 128 tons of pangolin scales and meat were intercepted worldwide last year alone, which is an all-time high. So even though there's a global ban on the commercial trade of these scales, the markets for the pangolin body parts have remained extremely high over the decades. Additionally, legislation related to private zoos in the United States have faced a lot of legal repercussions this year. A lot of us probably remember at the beginning of quarantine, we were all watching Tiger King and feeling a lot of rage about Joe Exotic and his absolutely terrible treatment of these large cats completely separate from his plots to murder carol baskin uh shooting and killing five tigers and illegally selling tigers across state lines other private prominent zoo operators featured in the show also faced legal troubles but in the uk a few different acts were passed in order to stop the trade of large cats so even though the show itself uh was a hot mess (laughs) I think that a lot of us have put a new focus on stopping these behaviors. A lot of us didn't realize that large cats were being privately traded around our country and we're not okay with it. So I'm very proud of my community for realizing that. It's kind of funny because doing a cheers and cheers segment, I've realized that they're always the same when it comes to animal rights advocacy because we're like, wow, this is a terrible thing that we realized this year. And then we can cheer about the amazing legislation that's passed in response to our outrage. So, yeah, there's been some crazy realizations in the broader community as people are inside. They're spending more time educating themselves. And so we're seeing a lot more companies have vegan options. We're seeing Starbucks have oat milk. So as a vegan, there's a lot to be happy about from 2020. But I just wanted to focus this segment on the animals that we don't get to interact with on a daily basis But still deserve rights and respect After a quick commercial break. I'm gonna play a song called just like us. It's written by the vegan Queen V um, And it's an animal rights vegan song song that was written and inspired for various chants that can be shouted at animal rights marches it was written in 2019 and i've been listening to it periodically throughout the year so enjoy
1: hey Scarlett, do you know that Prague rock alley our show we released a cd oh that's
3: interesting what's it about
1: it's a compilation of a lot of different kinds of music All under the banner of progressive rock, experimental rock, art rock, and we released it in digital form on Bandcamp. Have you ever shopped on Bandcamp before? Nope. Co-op Radio has their very own Bandcamp page, and there you can see Anthems from the Alley Volume 1. All the songs on there were donated by artists. Do you know what donation means? No. All proceeds from sales go to supporting Co-op Radio.
3: It's like adopting a kid.
1: It's like adopting a kid that you can listen to on your headphones on your way to work. Head over to Bandcamp right now and scope out Anthems from the Alley, Volume 1, only on for $10. Support your local radio, 100.5 Co-op Radio.
2: You
4: are listening to
1: Animal Voices
2: on Vancouver's Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM CFRO. 100% listener-sponsored radio broadcasting live from the
0: east side on unceded Coast Salish territories.
5: Please listen carefully.
3: Animals want to be free. Just like Just like
2: was Just Like Us by the Vegan Queen V. Wasn't it so nice? I love that song. So that will be our segue into our resolutions for 2021. So I'm going to welcome Allison onto the show. I'm excited to be talking to you about 2020 and looking forward to 2021. How does it feel for you?
6: Well, that is, as I'll sometimes say, And hi, Grace, by the way. Happy 2021 to you. Happy New Year. You're one of the yeah. first people I've said that to. That's a pretty loaded question. I do find that this time of the year for me, like, it's a time for reflection for me and to to go over in my head how the year did go for me and how was how everyone's year for 2020. I think it's just the year that many people can't wait to bid farewell to. And since it's January 1st now, well, good riddance that year is officially gone and we can now celebrate the year to come. And with all of its possibilities so that's what I like about when a new year comes in it's a new opportunity and a new time to carve your path of life the way that you want to live and things will be better this year because they can't be worse right so for me personally, I have to say that 2020, it was, I mean, a lot of people lost out financially. For me, I just, I work in essential worker positions, I guess they're called. And so I just had a never ending amount of work to be done. And one of those jobs was to take on a full time Five month contract with the government to be a first responder to any special needs for our province that would be required for COVID is- assistance and natural disasters. So I felt good about my part in how I was contributing to COVID. I was also, you know, I, we're doing the radio show here, and for me personally, I have to say that when I think about what uh, what is my resolution, I once again I pledge to keep doing what I'm doing for 2021, which is working on this radio show because this is my main form of advocacy. I've been doing it for over 11 years, producing shows and hosting shows mainly on a weekly basis. Not so much now since we've changed the format since COVID arrived. (laughs) We no longer go to this the station every year, and it takes a lot longer to put shows together, like twice as long, I would say. So that's been a lot of energy out of me. But yeah, like I said, same as uh for me, my New Year's resolution is just to keep working every week to educate our listeners in Vancouver, Canada, and around the world on a plethora of animal and vegan related issues so that people can become informed and learn about our food systems and the secrets behind them. Learn where our food comes from as aware consumers learn about digging into and finding one's compassion for all living creatures and then learning how to utilize that information to find our own vegan path in this ever-changing world but I do believe it's a world leaning towards better environmental stewardship for the planet, which includes animals and food, better education about nutrition and health, which includes animals and veganism, and opening more eyes to the realities of how animals are treated in the food, clothing, entertainment, and medical research and testing industries. And Grace, would you say that because of the pandemic, that people's eyes were opened more up to what's happening? to animals and how we are a part of what of what plays into things like crazy worldwide pandemics happening.
2: Oh yeah, I mean definitely. I think people have had more time at home and more time to deep dive on topics that they've either been afraid to learn about or have been hesitant to deep dive into. One example is everyone got on the Tiger King bandwagon, and since that was released, there have been policies about keeping exotic animals and trading exotic animals. But beyond that, I mean, even the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was discussing how we can acknowledge that just being inside, we're doing good for the environment. So I think people have used this. This quarantine to question some of the choices they've made or take a more frontal look at their ethics and their morals and how they can live more aligned with those things. And one thing that I forgot to mention in the news segment this week was that Nordstrom's won't be selling any fur in 2021. So a lot of the fur industry has taken a really hard hit this year And I got to say, I'm not disappointed in that. I think fur is officially dead.
6: (laughs) Right. I I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but also with regards to fur. I feel like I'm not seeing as many people wearing Canada Goose fur jackets this year because they're not making them anymore. And people I find who wear them, like they're either brand new jackets that they got this year or they got them one or two years ago. I've noticed that not a lot of people are wearing the fur trim. And that's because Canada Goose actually decided, and of course it's because of public pressure, to stop using furs that are captured by coyotes in the wild that they they commission trappers to catch it's a really horrible process so they still have duck down in them but there's um we're halfway there but i wanted to talk a little about how things changed with regards to the food economy when covid came if you can remember that far back like march April was sort of when things changed. Do you remember that like, we had a major lockdown in North America where all the restaurants were closed? And even, you know, there was a lot of fear instilled into society where you wouldn't go out unless it was for your bi-monthly shopping trip, at which point there was barely any food on the shelves.
2: Yeah, who could forget the great toilet paper shortage of 2020?
6: Yes, and I got through that. So I'm proud of myself. But (laughs) I also, you know what else I got through? was the massive shortage of all animal flesh and animal products such as eggs and and milk. I hope you did well on that too, because since we don't consume them anyways, right? But what was the rest of society to do? So all the restaurants were closed. There was a massive decline in the need for animal flesh and milk, eggs, and even onions. I remember that. Sadly, thousands and thousands of pigs were euthanized. There was one video I saw that c- you could hear that they suffering and their painful death of being gassed in their barns. It was complete complete torture. Um, the, you know, there was a network of animal activists and sanctuaries in North America that were working together to save thousands of farmed animals, whenever and however they could. I was in touch with some of those people because I had a friend who was looking for um, some pig's tree home, and I got him. Connected on there with with actually my sister and her friend who lived in the area in South Dakota. On the show, I spoke to Woodstock Sanctuary's executive director. That's Rachel McChrystal, who headed this initiative of having a coalition of farm sanctuaries that would connect together and try to get these animals to rescues and trying to get them in rescue sanctuaries. That show can be heard at animalvoices.org. It's one of a kind for sure. And then I think the main impact that COVID-19 had at the beginning here and still continues to have until today as of recently is that we learned quickly that COVID-19, what is it? It's a zoonotic disease. And what's that? Well, I produced a whole show about it in, back in April, if you want to look that up, with Dr. Aisha Akhtar. And here we have the mother of all the zoonotic diseases that's killed hundreds of thousands of people on our planet in less than a year. So, yeah, and I feel like zoonotic diseases circles back to how in
2: America it was realized during this crisis, during this run on meat, of all animals are slaughtered in 50 slaughterhouses across the U.S. And humane meat is evidently a myth, because regardless of how they were raised, most flesh that you're consuming, most animals that are killed, are killed the same way. And then humans that are involved in the processing of that are struggling and harmed and traumatized the same way. And disease is spread (laughs) the same way. So we kid ourselves into thinking that there's a way around this. There's a way around spreading disease and a way around spreading suffering. But really, we live in a very fragile world and we don't have we don't have the stability or the resources to treat other people this way.
6: Maybe that came up for people who. You know, people who say, Oh, I only eat animals that were humanely slaughtered. Maybe that was a wake-up call for them. But what I'd like to be a big wake-up call for people is that this is a result of having animals kept in cramped conditions. When animals are kept in cramped conditions as well, it leaves them in a state where their immune system's low, right? So just like humans, if they're having they can get the sniffles and then and then they can get viruses passed on to them. So most recently we've seen the virus passed on from human humans to minks. This is even in Canada, where tens of thousands of minks are cramped together for use of their fur. That's just my little synopsis of what 2020 meant for me.
2: I wanted to ask you, as far as quarantine and cooking, were there any recipes this year that stood out to you or that you'd want to share for people who are trying to go vegan in 2021?
6: Yeah, I actually started cooking recently. So 2020 and COVID is teaching me too the value of self-preservation and self-care, right? So what I started doing is actually just making my own super easy soups um, because I, w- I would get like these little packets of those Thai kitchen rice noodle soup packages. And then suddenly both stores that I have access to that sell them were out in the same week. And so then I thought, oh, no, it's the 2020 COVID shortage of packaged soup noodles. Uh, I have rice noodles in my pantry. I I could just make my own. I have spices and seasonings. So what I've been doing as an experiment, I'll go to the grocery store down the street. A lot of stores have this option, $1 bags of whatever. At the store down my street, they'll mix the vegetables. So you never know what you're going to get. Like if there's some carrots in there, there might also be like an eggplant I got this interesting mystery bag the other day which has poblano peppers which I've never eaten before but I'm being experimental (laughs) and a whole lot of dill and uh, and a green pepper thought I'm thinking what can I do with these so it's it's causing me to be creative I did grow
2: poblano peppers this summer and if you roast them as a tip for our listeners take the skins off once you roast them But they're also really good raw, which a lot of people don't do. And they're known for stuffing. They're great for stuffing and deep frying.
6: Yeah. So the recipe I found that I'm sticking with, it's printed out so it's good to go, is uh, you roast the poblano peppers. They advise you to make some brown rice and then adding just some salsa on that and pinto beans. Super easy. There's maybe some spices. What it shows is you're roasting the peppers with the filling in it. And then you're taking off the blistered skin, as you said, plated with like sliced avocado. It looks like something that is, you know, that's nutritious food that I would put into me. So so that is what I'm resolving to do, at least at this point more, is as a person just cooking for one. and seeing what I can come up with. so. And I really like what you said, Allison, about needing to take more time for yourself.
2: For me, my biggest resolution this year is restructuring my routines. Even though I'm not always leaving the house, making sure that I'm putting myself together, I am a student. And so I've also been kind of nonstop since March in a way that I didn't expect to be. So it's been really difficult for me to create structure and a sense of normalcy and a sense of calmness. So I'm excited to reintroduce a yoga flow into my mornings and things that make me feel like I'm in a little more control of what is going on.
6: Yeah, I'll usually write a goal list of what I want to accomplish. I'll write, I'll write it in like my hardcover notebook that I keep with me all the time, and then I have it there to look back on like later in the year, even the year after, and I'll like might look upon it and go, oh, these are the things I really wanted to accomplish this year. How, mu- how much of it did I accomplish? <laughs> oh,
2: that's really funny. I bet a lot of people who did that can look back at their twenty twenty resolutions and just feel humbled and laugh a little bit about
6: how many pivots they had to take i, I guess it's it's a it's a lesson to be adaptable and i think just like for, as in the theme of our show and what we want to achieve to help listeners with is being open to new information being o- open to adaptation and i do love it when people learn new things but everyone's on their own path too and whatever steps you make they're good steps always try to be progressive always think forward and look on as we were talking about on the show a few weeks ago is like look on the bright side (laughs) so find the opportunities within within what we've experienced in 2020 and you know people say it's going to get better we have we have uh, vaccines that are being administered now in in, uh, in Canada, and they say it's going to take up until about September to get them all done. So, so, you know, we're still in a precarious position where we have to mask up until then.
2: It's incredible to think of all the new routines people have fallen into.
6: The sourdough baking, Zoom meeting, pajamas all day, ordering delivery food <laughs> kind of routine. There's nothing wrong with that, I think. is like our society moves too fast. There's a lot of high anxiety in our society, and I think it's because we don't slow down. I find that in myself, too. In
2: 2020, we can all use a break. Before we close out today's episode, I wanted to play one more song a bit different than our last song. This is Monkey Gone to Heaven written by the alternative rock band Pixies. Monkey's Gone to Heaven's main theme is environmentalism, so the song mainly deals with humanity's destruction of the ocean um, and how we often confuse our place in the universe as human beings. So I thought it'd be a good fit for the show, and it's one that I really enjoy. So here it is, Monkeys Gone to Heaven by the Pixies from 1989. There was a guy.
5: And the water guy control the sea Got
3: killed by 10 million pounds of sludge from New York and New Jersey The devil is six, the devil is six.
2: is a wrap folks that is our episode for today um I hope you had a great time with me I had a lot of fun playing some tunes which I've been meaning to do for such a long time I haven't done a full music episode since being a producer so uh, for those of you who came in late I wanted to just remind you some of the rundown of what we talked about we went over a cute clip of Creature Comfort from Ardman Animations. Check that out online on YouTube or re listen to this episode. We talked about a petition to complete Crab Park, which is something really near and dear to my heart and a huge project that activists in this city have been working on for decades at this point. So definitely check out the petition to complete Crab Park. And of course, today is New Year's Day. Happy New Year's Day. I hope everyone is just soaking in those last few moments of winter break, if you had one, and just basking in the silence that is the first day of 2021. Congratulations. Take a breath. You made it. You've been listening to Animal Voices Radio Show on 100.5 Co-op Radio in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, unseated and ancestral Musqueam, tsleil and Squamish lands. Please join us for next week's show on
6: January 8th Allison will be your host. Make sure to tune in to that at noon every Friday as usual. And I'm so excited about our guests who I'm hoping to have on next week's show, Mark Perlumutter, who is the founder of the Vegan Investing Club. I know that as a vegan, I want to invest in companies that adhere to my vegan values. So we're going to talk about putting your dollars to businesses where they align with your ethics. Imagine that. Also hoping to get, she is one of the co-hosts of the Our Hen House podcast, which started just after I started being on the Animal Voices show. So it's been 11 years for them as well. And this is Jasmine Singer. So she has just written a book called The Veg News Guide to Being a Fabulous Vegan, Look Good, Feel Good, and do good in thirty days. I'm excited to read this book very soon, and hopefully we'll have her on the show next week. So looking forward to that. so that will be a continuation of basically our theme of supporting listeners who want to be a fabulous vegan and to do good in thirty days.
2: Thank you, Alison, for sharing that.
6: We here at Animal
2: Voices love to stay connected with you. So if you want to view our website or listen to past shows, go to AnimalVoices.org. Our past podcasts are also available on iTunes and Google Play. You can join our Facebook page or join us on Instagram, both at Animal Voices Vancouver. You could even send us an email to RadioAnimalVoices at gmail.com. Oh, and we have a Twitter, AnimalVoicesYVR so check that out. To end this week's show, I decided that rather than playing a song focused on animals, I would play one of my favorite songs released in 2020. It's called Circle the Drain by Soccer Mommy. It's really sweet, very relaxed. Enjoy it. I'm just sitting here with my cat, and I'm gonna dance along to the song. Enjoy.